everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Volunteers Podcast and Lead Ministry Live. So grateful that you're here. It's so fun for me to hear from people around the country who this has been inspiring for. And so just the other day, I saw on Facebook someplace where a young gal was struggling a little bit. And she said, you know, the Lead Volunteers Podcast is my soul, the only place that I'm getting training. And so you know, that was encouraging. I must say, however, if you are looking for training, you can go a little bit deeper with the leadministry.com um, resources that we have, lead volunteers, and lots and lots and lots of different things. Well, we're grateful that you tuned in today. We have a special guest today, Miss Kim uh, Bado. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Josh? I am good. So grateful that you're here. By the way, did I say your last name correctly? You did. Well done. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Well, okay. Well, good. Well, I'm super grateful that you're here. You know, you and I have connected over the years. I've been a fan of watching you do things. Likewise. Yes. In the children's ministry space. And, you know, you kind of have, we all over time kind of discover our own little special, special little lane. And, and one of your lanes is dealing with challenging kids and kind of you, you've gone through some certification when it comes to dealing with kids who struggle with trauma. Bef before we get into what we're going to talk about today, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am a wife. I'm a mom. I have five kids and we have 10 grandkids. The oldest is seven. Oh, wow. And, and our children, uh, our youngest two are adopted. One was adopted at the age of 10 and one at the age of, she was almost 16. And so that is what really sparked my interest yes. in kids who've experienced trauma personally. And then I saw the, the great application it had in our ministry too. Yeah. Isn't that the case, right? Where all of a sudden we have to personally endure, we have to personally learn, and then we become kind of a, a personal expert because of our own trials. And then we're able, as as God has allowed us to be successful in that, he's allowed us to equip others. So I'm very grateful. So you've done some actually trauma, like you're professionally certified. Is that right? Yes, I have a couple certifications. Yeah. Yes, because um, I led uh, a kids and student ministry for decades. Yes. And really felt the need to get a deeper education and keep deeper training on it. And now for the past year, I'm with a nonprofit in Cincinnati found village and we work with uh, young people. Almost exclusively, really? almost exclusively that have some pretty challenging needs. Yes, they are. Um, they're amazing. They have all kinds of gifts and abilities that are sometimes covered because of the circumstances that yes. they've encountered. Well, so our topic today is developing boundless hope for the challenging child, boundless hope for the challenging kids. And, uh, you know, Jesus didn't come just for the pretty people and just for the healthy. He came for the sick and for the challenged. And I have to say, as we were talking earlier, um, a couple, maybe last week, you know, I kind of was that kid. I was a little bit of a challenging handful and my perspective in my heart is, wow, what if that challenging kid could be redirected in their energies and efforts dedicated toward the Lord? And so that's kind of my life story. So this touches close to home with me. Well, as if, if anybody out there listening is a regular on 
the podcast, you know we have three big buckets that we kind of try to parse this out. So the, the first bucket is we try to define it. So we'll do that. Next, we're going to develop it, dig a little bit deeper. And then, of course, we're going to try to land the plane. And Kim is going to help us to determine how we could go about doing this. So let's jump right in and we will define it. And the, the first one here is welcoming all not just the easy kids. So from a definition standpoint, talk to us about this. Welcoming all, not just the easy kids. Well, in, in ministry, I think we've all had kids who when they have come in, they have increased the energy level and maybe the level of destruction in our rooms, <laughs> maybe have kept us from getting to what we thought was so important for the day, which is the complete execution of the lesson. Yes. and. Really, even before we adopted, I had a group of boys who came in to our Wednesday night programming who, who, who were that. They came in and they were really hard. And we kept trying to change them. Wow. And put all kinds of boundaries in place for them, which boundaries are good. But I had a woman on my leadership team that said, maybe we need to start praying that our hearts would change towards them. Wow. And so I know. I'm like, what? And we decided that not only we're going to pray for them, but when they came, we were going to look them in the eye. We were going to greet them in a positive manner. Yes. Hi, Josh. I'm glad you're here. And we were going to physically touch them, whether it be you know on their shoulder or their head. Sure. And what we found is our hearts towards them changed. We were more empathetic. We were more um, looking to help them rather than corral remove them. them. Remove them, yes. corral them. Yes. Little Josh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So well, that's really how it started. And, and I think that that's, I mean, thank God for that lady who said, maybe let's, isn't that the, isn't that the circumstance with all of our lives, whether it's with our spouses, whether it's with our kids, it comes down to our hearts changing and right. our hearts, you know, being modified. And when it comes to challenging kids saying, wow, okay, uh, let's have a welcoming attitude. And I really like also this idea of, looking him in the eye, being genuine and putting a hand on the shoulder. That makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? It does. It makes a difference for them and it makes a difference for us. It does. Okay. So from, we've kind of defined it. We're talking about working with and, and, you know, we have volunteers who are coming into our rooms and this is not their main thing. This is the overflow right. of their life. And so it can be challenging when we're looking sure. at wow, you know, disruptive kids. And we as the leaders, we want to make sure that everything's as smooth as possible, but that's maybe not where ministry is done. Okay, so we've just defined it, welcoming all and maybe changing our hearts. But now what I want to do is talk about this next one. Having, so this is like, def, like developing it, going a little bit deeper. So it says here, growth mindset for all, hard time, here, hard time there, in a unique way of asking for help. So those are the three things that I want you to take us through. So first, let's start with this growth mindset for all. Help us with that. Well, I think, first of all, some of us, and Josh, you have probably had people in your ministry who've been in ministry for years, uh -huh. and they may say, I know how to work with kids. I've been working with kids for decades. And... <laughs> My response to that is always, okay, how are you cooking your food decades ago? Oh, how wow. are you, you know, what's your, what's your phone look like decades ago? Things have changed. 
in the way we do things, including how we respond to kids, especially the challenging ones. Through science and research, we have found new and really more effective ways to respond in a way that's healthy and helpful. So the first thing is we want to check our mindset and see, are we really willing to grow? Are we saying, I'm doing it this way, I've already done it this way, I'm not going to change. And if we have a volunteer that is in that fixed mindset, before we move to anything else, let's have a conversation with them, maybe how they have grown in the past couple years and maybe new ways to grow. I really like this. And so, you know, so I like the idea of how you kind of turn the tables a little bit and, you know, haven't, I mean, I've been in, in a ministry context for 25 years, you know, and, but things have changed. And I think it's really important to say, Hey, um, like, what about your phone? Have you, that's changed over time. And so putting in some, some really benign, simple ways to cause people to go, wow, I guess, I guess it isn't, it isn't just what I knew from the past. There is actually some new stuff. And so the growth mindset is for us. Right. That kind of also goes back to that dear woman, you know, as you guys were powwowing ahead of time before that set of boys came in, you were like, oh my word, what are we going to do here? And it's, it's a, it's a growth mindset to say, okay, I need to soften. That's awesome. Let's go to the next one. Hard time here, hard time there. Tell us what that means. Well, children in our ministry that are having a hard time, maybe being disruptive, not compliant, having difficulty following directions, 99.9% of the time, the the issues that they are having with us or the challenges they're having with us, they're also having at school, they're having at home, they're having at play dates. And so we really want to partner with the parents and not be another person that is constantly saying what the kid is doing wrong. Challenging things. Here yes. we are again, yes. same thing, second verse, same as the first. And, right. And I think that uh, we can fall into that, right, where we want to get defensive and really showcase one more pattern, one more dot on the graph that's defining this, that this kid has got problems. Right. And, and I like to, like to kids, I like to say we want to remind them who they are. Yeah. not what they did. You know, so often we want to focus on that behavior. Remember you did this, you did that. It's the same with the parents. We can remind the parents of the amazing and unique attributes that their sure. kid has. You know, with you, Josh, you were high energy. Yep. You were trying new things all the time, which could be considered a negative thing. Right. And in, in a room full of 30 other kids. But actually, that was an amazing attribute of yours. You were curious. You had tons of energy. And now look how you're using that. I'm so That's glad true. somebody didn't just squash that and try to well, turn you into something else. And, and there was a Maybe lot of, they did. They did. Yeah, there was a lot of squashing over the years. And, and uh, you know, and I have had to come to terms with that and grow past that because it was very, very, very challenging. And there, you know, the funny thing also, you know, if you were, if we were to bring in my very own children, I have four kids and I was, I were to ask them, Hey, what's pastors, what's the like rule number one, pastor wisdom 101. And my kids would say the issue's not the issue. And, and so the issue's not the issue. And so kids are coming in and they're challenged. And the other thing too, Kim, that I found is I, I didn't, 
I didn't want to be one more person who was who was laying another log on this fire of parent shame and they're they're Absolutely. struggling. It's hard. But in the same way, I wanted to come alongside and be a different voice, but was was maybe it's what I call the whiteboard moment where, yes, in fact, we are experiencing these things, but I wanted to be a positive voice. Now, you do you do also say that this is a unique way of asking for help. So when the kid is coming in and they're kind of freaking out, it's a unique way of asking for help. Tell us about that. Yeah. And so I want to say it's not that we ignore the behaviors. No, we don't. We're looking for ways to help the kids cope in a different and a new way. So in asking for help, um, these kids, when they come in, um, we might say, but they're not telling us what's going on with them. Oh, yes, well, they trying. are. That's right. They're trying. They're just not using their words. They're using their behaviors. And Karen Purvis, who is a pioneer in working with kids who'd experienced trauma, she says behavior is the language of children who have lost their voice. So wow. their behavior is talking to us. And so that's when we want to stop and really get curious as to what's going on underneath. You've probably seen the, the illustration of the iceberg. Yes, absolutely. And it shows, okay, this is what you're seeing. It's just a little bit of it. And then underneath there's all this stuff, sometimes really hard stuff. That's right. And so we want to, you know, the kid's not going to come in with something on his forehead talking about all the trauma or the hard things that have right. happened to him. Right. Or it might even be they just had a really, really terrible morning. It, it might not even. Right. It's, it's, it may not be this, this you know, maybe stereotypical super bad life that they're coming from they just may have had a tough morning and by the way have i yelled at my kids on the way to church why of course who hasn't right and so that's right. anxiety producing that's jarring for a kid and then they come into our setting and here they are right right and so we we need to remember that every kid has a story and it started before they walked into our room. Such a good word. And so we are like how they feel about us. Maybe they don't trust us. Right. Well, it's not about us. I always say when children's ministry people ask me like, what's the you know best advice? I said, just remember, it's not about us. Right. Like their behavior towards us is often because of what they've experienced with other relationships with adults in their life. That's right. Prior to us. You know, and Kim, it's funny that you say that they're not coming in with a with a, a, a piece of tape and a, a sign that says what they've gone through, but their behaviors are an indication that we might not, we might need to dig a little bit deeper. So it's not that they have like a tattoo that says, you know, uh, uh, trauma from abuse or parents do drugs. But as we're seeing their behaviors, that is an indication of, for us to dig deeper and to find out, wow, what is really going on? And I have to say, I hadn't planned on sharing this, but there was a kid who had some of the greatest uh, uh, behavioral challenges that we'd ever experienced. And, and it didn't take too long. And I ended up doing some marriage counseling with their parents, with that kid's parents. Uh, I hadn't thought of this story for a long time. And, and there was drug abuse that was happening. There was a lot of, uh, there was, a, I, I, I don't want to get into it all, but there was a lot of challenging things and it, it makes sense why somebody would be acting out. But in this particular case, like it, 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 it put all of the pieces together and, 
How do you go about? How do you go about? You know, because there's a level and a layer of, of. I would say, you know, we have to be discreet as leaders because we may know more than we're really allowed to share. So, how would you suggest that we would, like, if I happen to know that this kid has an extraordinarily challenging life in the details of which I can't share with my volunteers, how could I go about doing that? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right, Josh. We um, we want to protect the child and we want to protect their story. Yes. And people don't need to know every detail in order to respond to the child as Jesus right. would. You know, Jesus is, he strives to have connection with us. Yes. Sometimes he offers grace, sometimes he offers discipline, but it's always done in love. And so as I'm talking about digging beneath and being curious, we're not trying to figure out all the details, sure. you know, like so our volunteers, they don't need all the, to know all the details of what happened to them. Instead, when I say be curious, it's figuring out, oh, it's right when the music starts uh, that they really have a hard time. Sure. So what are some ways do we need to get, um, you know, noise canceling headphones? Or maybe it's when a particular person drops them off. We know that that's going to be a harder time for them. Sure. So maybe we give them a little extra TLC and one-on-one -on -one time at the beginning. It's really getting curious about what the triggers might be in our sure. room and sure. what are some helpful strategies to help them. You know, not we know they're safe, but we want them to feel safe right. in our environment. And the other thing too, I do a training with people. Uh, and I call it Know Your Sheep. And it's a list of 25 things that are likely going to be found in somebody in a group of 100 people. Sexual abuse, um, undiagnosed mental or, or learning disorder. The, this All of these things that are like, this is in a room of 100 people. This, it's very likely that, this, that these things are taking place. You don't know who, but come in with the heart posture that somebody may be experiencing more than is evident right now. Uh, and I oh. think that's important. Yeah. And we've just come out of a worldwide pandemic. We sure have. So, <laughs> you know, cause I've had people say, well, I don't have any kids who've experienced trauma. And for one, that might be a misunderstanding of the definition of trauma. You know, it doesn't have that's to right. just be abuse or neglect. It can be a variety of things, but the pandemic, has been traumatic, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it's been very right. traumatic. And that's actually, as far as trauma goes, you can't just say, oh, a pandemic is um, traumatic for anybody or a parent being incarcerated is. It really depends on how that person receives that information. Because like for the pandemic, I have a seven-year-old grandson who's an introvert. Pandemic was, that was awesome. his best life. He loved <laughs> yeah. it. He was with his small little group of people that he loved. He got a lot of time to read and reflect. Yep. Um, so we just don't know. We just don't know. And the interesting thing also is even a, I mean, the research coming out about trauma, it's, it's really broadening the scope. Right. And so even somebody who's had a traumatic bullying episode, that is basically trauma is having a, a rush of emotions that you literally don't know what to do for an extended period of time. Would you agree with that definition? Yeah, I, I say um, really simple definition. Trauma is when the brain simply can't make sense of what's going on around you. Right, right. It's right. just, we don't know how to, and so just like with us, you know, if we are 
um, let's say we're driving a car and a, and a car is coming through a stop sign yes. and looks like it's going to hit us. It's that adrenaline rush. There's chemicals that are released in the yep. brain. It affects our ability to think. That's what happens to a child too. Right. And so even something as simple as, not simple, but as, as sad as ongoing repetitive bullying that because the kid doesn't know what he's supposed to do they just she doesn't know how am i supposed to make sense of this and their frontal lobe uh the amygdala whoop, goes offline they can't That's right. think it's your alarm uh-huh. yep your little alarm and so this is really really good well let's let's keep this going the next thing i want to talk about is really turn the corner and start talking about what some practical steps as we close out today so there's five things that we're going to talk about i'm going to read them briefly to give our listeners a bucket into which you're going to fill so number one okay. is connect before you correct number two a strategy that you're going to tell us about is offer choices number three another strategy is the redo number four predictable transitions and finally care for parents so help us out with that begin to talk about some 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 practical ways that we can do this and the first one is connect before you correct okay uh karen purvis who i mentioned earlier is really the one who came up with this phrase and what that means is when we see a child who is doing something that they shouldn't be Mm -hmm. let's say they just took a truck from another kid rather than go up and immediately correct them hey josh you know we don't take trucks from other people and then hit them over the head with it Um, and instead of that we connect with him josh i know that you love trucks and that truck is your favorite truck to play with in that room so i have immediately established a connection with you right you know that oh she knows me she She knows knows that i I like this truck yeah yes and then we go into uh, like an example could be uh we could do it there's a safety script that you can use that just says and josh in a kids club it is a safe place for you i'm not going to let anybody take things from you or hit you and i can't let you take things from anybody else i like that or hit them yeah so it's very simple it's reinforcing to them that that if this were to happen you, you would be defending them right right and i'll tell you the the best example this it was easter several years ago and i got a call from a about a four-year-old who was being combative non-compliant they'd actually had to move him remove him from the room sure. uh, for fear of safety of the other kids in the room and i went down there and just started talking to him and he said shut up you mother fb except he said it all the oh, way mercy. out oh mercy yeah a little four-year-old. So it would have been very easy for me to immediately go into correction mode. And this is just to show you, it doesn't take that long. So instead what I said is, it seems like you're really angry that I keep talking. And he kind of looked at me because he was thinking I was gonna yell at him. Of course. And then I moved into correction and said, that hurt my feelings, Mm -hmm. the way you spoke to me. Could you say that to me in a kinder way? And after a lot of silence, he said, can you stop talking, please? And so it opened, yeah. Wow. So it, it opened the door to some really great conversation with him where I found out he had some, um, just a major tragedy in his life that he was wow. responding to. So it doesn't, it's just something really simple. What you're trying to do is name the emotion. Right. 
um, or, you know, somehow relate to them. So then they know you're with them. And then you can move to correction because really, I'm sure, Josh, when you're corrected by somebody who you have a relationship with, you're much more likely to respond in a positive way to that than somebody that you're going, I have no clue who this person is. For sure. And also, even with people that I know and love and I have a great and large assumption that they love me, having them lead with some piece of connection is better than just a quick snap, even if I know they love me, right? Right, right. And I I learned a long time ago, and I don't practice it as well as I should, but, you know, in nature, right? In nature, an animal gets big when it's defensive. It moves fast and it tries to uh, see big, fast, and loud. Those are those are defensive postures in the animal kingdom, right? And so, oh. right. Oh. And so, yeah. with a kid, it can be very helpful to go small. Often, I've sat on the ground and made them taller than me, even though I was a bigger right. person. And I really right. brought my limbs in, and I tried to speak softly. I made eye contact and then looked down, so it wasn't this beating eyes. And I tried to talk soft and also talk slow. So not fast, not big and not loud is a is a is a helpful thing that I've that I've thought about. Yeah. And I'll say that that is so great. Those are three awesome strategies. And when we go because often if we see something happening that isn't a great thing, we tend to our adrenaline starts going and we get all. And so I always, for me, I'm always reminded to take a deep breath and then watch what my face is communicating. Nonverbal. Because I want to communicate empathy and, you know, I want to have an open conversation. But yeah, that's great. I love that. Okay, next one, offer choices. Talk to us about this one. So often, like let's say a child is doing something that, isn't socially acceptable. And we're just telling them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Instead, if we can give them choices Mm -hmm. where they can pick what they're going to do, it gives them a little feeling of control, especially kids who've been through trauma, they've had control over nothing. So we um, we had a situation with some preschool twins who always wanted to storm the stage, you know, when large group starts, they wanted to be on the stage. Sure. So rather than just focus on, don't be on the stage, don't be on the stage, don't be on the stage. We said, Hey, you can either sit up front and put your feet, you know, right up against the stage like this, or you can sit and put your hands on top of the stage. And, um, they would pick every week and every week, then it was a big thing on, am I going to put my hands on or am I going to put my feet on it? Right. And then they even had different things. So and some, some leaders will say, wait a minute, I don't want to give them a choice because I'm the one who's in control. And which I always say, well, maybe you need to check out, you might have some control issues, but. <laughs> yes, um, let's start there. But second, there. you can be in control of the That's choices right. that you give them. That's right. You are still in control. You're picking those choices. And I have seen that work over and over again, you know, in a ministry context with my grandkids. And you might even want to think about some behaviors that you might see 
where you need to offer a choice so that ahead of time you got those choices you can just pull them out of your pocket exactly exactly and give them to a kid. thinking ahead is always good okay number three is the redo i like this one yeah and and, and you kind of yeah. already modeled this one for us with the kid who used the swear words at you oh yeah right oh, oh yeah you're right, Josh. Yes, I gave him the opportunity to do it again. Yes. Yeah. And I look at anything in my life that I am kind of proficient at. I was not good at it the first time I did of it. Course. I played high school in tennis. I had to practice my serve over and over and over again. It's the same with kids. They need practice doing it the right way. Agreed. So let's say a kid does something in the way that is the I hate to eat, but wrong way, sure. not the way that we want them to do. Uh, for example, they run from large group to small group. Right. Rather than tell them, don't run, go to them, do what you said, you know, get small, quiet, um, slow down your, your um, speaking. Yeah. And then say, hey, when we move, remind them of how to do it. Remember, when we move from large group to small group, we walk and then we find a chair. And then you say, let's do that again. And you take them back to where they were, yes. then remind them what they're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to walk to small group, have them walk, and then they sit down in the chair. And then once they do it, praise them like crazy. Yes. Because it doesn't it, make it, any difference. Th this this may sound super pedantic, super childlike, but it, re it, it really works. It honestly works. Yes, and, it does. And I've seen principals at schools, uh, you know, that, that they just literally walked the kids through. It, it, it kind of is almost like um, like muscle memory. We're trying to create oh. muscle memory for a kid to go, okay, this is not just, you know, they don't, they don't have to pull out of thin air what I'm supposed to do. They actually have physically been modeled through it. Absolutely. I mean, that is what you're doing. And yes. and then when they leave, they have left. And the last, the last thing they did, they did it the way you want them to repeat it sure. next time. Yeah, I think the redo so, is yeah, good. Yeah, we're just letting them practice. And, and I'm, you know, with bigger kids, I'm often said, hey, you, so this is an odd thing. But like sometimes I'll get small, I'll use a soft voice and I'll say, hey, ha have you ever played golf? And then they're like, wait, what, do, what is he talking about golf? Because they think I'm going to correct him. Yes. And, I, and I say, right. and they're like, no. I say, oh, or they say, yes, whatever. And I say, well, in golf, there's this thing. It's called a mulligan. Can you say that out loud? And they'll right. say mulligan. And I'll say, that's just really a redo. Would, would, you, could, would it be possible if we had a mulligan or a redo right now? So that's kind of fun. Um, so it it, fun. It's, like it's really getting kids off of the the back and forth the power struggle and saying like kind of not confusing the situation but but putting in something that causes them to go what what is he talking about have i ever played oh, golf yeah. it just kind of yeah. arrests the moment okay yeah and i'll and i'll say too for sure. older kids you can actually get them involved in this um you can do it for younger kids too sometimes it's more challenging for them but you can just say hey is there a different way you could have said that Sure. Or is there a different way you could have responded to him coming up and saying that to you to just get them thinking about you don't how have they to make it. them go through it. You don't have to physically walk them through because that could be that can be 
a challenge for a junior high kid for sure to be like, right. You mean I'm actually, you're expecting me to go walk. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but it's, it's the idea of, of at least positing that. Okay. The next right. one, predictable transitions. Sounds like we could all almost predict what this one is, but take us through this one quickly. I always like to say, um, assume that there is a new child in your environment every single weekend. How about that? Even if you look around and you know every single face, assume that somebody's new. Get in the practice of explaining things like you would to a new kid. Hey, we are going to, um, we're gonna finish up playing with the trucks and then once the music comes on, we're going to start picking up and then we're going to go to large group. Then we can, when we get to large group, we can let them know, hey, after this song, we're going to line up the doors and then we're going to go to small group. You don't have to necessarily lay out the whole day. Sure. You can, but you need at least to know them what you at least want them to know what's coming. And I think of, of me, you know, if I go into a situation where I have no idea what's coming next, I feel kind of uh, discombobulated. I mean, I Yes, I don't feel it, it, it's kind of an instability. Kids feel that too. So let's make sure that they know what's coming next. You can still have surprises, sure, but you course. need to have surprises in a way where it is still somewhat predictable to them. And you know, the funny thing is, is that as you were talking about this, let's not forget that like they're in our Sunday school classrooms at the, at the bare minimum once a week. If we're really honest with ourselves, according to the national statistics, they're there 1.7 times a month, right. not four times a month. And so That's us right. assuming that they know the pattern that we're going to follow is probably a non-starter to begin with, right? Well, our right. last one today is care for parents, which I think is a huge thing when it comes to a challenging child. Okay, land the plane for us. Okay, so parents... They have much more influence than we do in the life of a kid, and we want to partner with them. And we want our ministries to be a safe place for everybody. Right. One of the best ways to do that is in the way that we engage with parents. And yes. so when a kid is, you know, maybe they, they behaved in a way that was exhibited that they were out of control. Sure. Let's make sure what our words are communicating to the parent, not to shame them. Yep. Because if a child is accurate, like we said earlier, they're probably acting like that in other places too. But true. instead, really, what we what we say is when we're meeting with a parent, you want to talk to them privately. You don't well, want to do it in so. front of other parents. Very much You so. don't want to diagnose, you know. No, you, you don't. don't. want to say, hey, you tried Ritalin. Um, you know, instead, you want to just state the facts and continue to say how much you enjoy having the kid in your ministry. I agree. Even if, even if maybe it wasn't particularly enjoyable that particular day, Jesus welcomed all the kids, not just the clean, compliant ones. That's exactly right. I think right. we need to do that, too. So communicate that to the parents. And, you know, having, you know, you're kind of a master <clears throat> of, of having some canned phrases in your back pocket. And I like mm -hmm. to do that same thing. And so basically one key phrase that I had is, hey, on the side, just me and the parent. Hey, to, not even with the kids sometimes. Sometimes with the kid, typically not. And right, I would say, right, wow, agreed. You know, today today was somewhat challenging and and then kind of slowly again and i'm going to do the small the soft i'm not going to be big lots of excited hand motions i i mean even in that situation i don't want to cause alarm i don't want to cause their amygdala to fly off and them not to be thinking and them to have a stress moment right 
Right. But I, I appreciate this idea of by themselves. Okay, keep going. Yeah. And I will say that what happens, no matter how much we tell them we want them with us, how yes. much we tell them we enjoy them, when they leave, Satan's going to start whispering things to them. They don't want your Guaranteed. kid there. They don't want you to come back. So I like to follow up within 24 hours, so whether good. it be a note or a phone call or a text and say, hey, again, I really um, want you to know how much we're looking forward to having him back the next week. If they gave us a strategy, because I'll you know, we want to partner with them. So we can say, Hey, you know, stating the facts, he was unable to keep his hand or he was touching a bunch of other kids during small group. Do you have any strategies that you use that, at that home or you at have found that have worked? Mm -hmm. So we're making, they're the expert. Sure. They are. They the know, they know their kid. kid far better than we do. Right. And right. you know, Kim, as we close, there have been times where I've had parents after we have kind of moved through these, these, experiences and we found success that they cried and they said wow this was one of the, this was one of the first places that we felt that we were actually welcome we were just literally waiting this is our third church and we were waiting for the hammer to come down that you don't want our kid here and that's that's a really beautiful thing to be on the receiving end of working through challenges because again don't forget this is not about your lesson and and you making sure that you can That's nail right. this thing it's about it's about providing an environment for the hurting kid and you know somebody out there is going to cry foul this might be another discussion but somebody out there might say well when a when a challenging kid is causing a disruption for the 99 other good kids okay wait Notice that I said the one in the 99. Jesus has a lot to say about that. So I want to, I want to, I, I really do want to lean into that kid. Uh, yes, they well, make it more challenging, but it's, it's worth it, it. And the 99, then they get to see Redemption. us modeling, well, compassion and connection in the midst of somebody who's not maybe doing some things that they wish that they weren't. That's a gospel moment right there in and of right. itself. Kim, Great. this is so good. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really, really grateful. Always fun to be with you, Josh. Thank you. And I know that a lot of people out there are going to gain a ton from this conversation today. So thank you again so very much. Thank well, you, Josh. Absolutely. Well, gang, this has been the Lead Volunteers Podcast and Lead Ministry Live. Hey, listen, take a few things and pass them on to your volunteers. We're talking about leading our volunteers and you can become a student you can listen to this episode again, become a deeper student of Kim and, and really educate your people with a couple of handful of strategies to make this work. Gang, thank you so much and we'll see you on the next one.